I found this website. It's called... Whoa, 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 whoa. Where am I? The Voyager cast. Who are you? The second in command. What do you want? To cover every iteration of Star Trek. I will not watch Voyager, Enterprise, Picard, Lower Decks, Prodigy, or Discovery. My life is my own. By hook or by crook, you will. I am not a prisoner of your podcast whims. All right, you want to do the prisoner? All right, then. The Village People, an exploration of the prison. With Paul Spataro, Dave Pascarella, Bill Robinson, and Andrew Lamb. Welcome to the Village People. Once again, we're looking at another stupendous episode of the 1960s television show, The Prisoner, starring Patrick McGowan as number six. This episode of The Chimes of Big Ben features Leo McKern as guest number two. An exact replica of her own room. Who are these people? Why are they here? Why are you? There are some people who leave this place and some who do not leave. You are obviously staying. Big Ben. Yeah. Have you got a wife in England? No. The village? The village is a place where people turn up. People who have resigned from a certain sort of job have defected or have been extracted the specialized knowledge in their heads is of great value to one side or the other. Are you sure you haven't got a village here? Don't miss this exciting adventure in The Prisoner starring Patrick McGowan. It was originally broadcast on Friday the 6th of October 1967 on ITV. And first broadcast on CBS on Saturday, the 8th of June, 1968. My What's It Here does not tell me who wrote and directed it. Don Chafee directed it. I know that. Vincent Tilsley wrote it. It says here. So hopefully that's good. Uh, as ever, I am the supervisor, Andrew Leyland, and I am joined by the butler, Dr. Bill Robinson. On today's program, number eight goes for a swim. Number two is a narcissist. Rover shows us his jibblies. And number six tells time. <laughs> number 38. Paul Hello. I am here uh, at my own free will. And the uncredited voice on the radio, Dave Pascarell. Hello. Good to be here. Uh, it's worth pointing out that uh, Peter Swanwick is the actual supervisor. He shows up yet again. He's the only other semi-recurring character that will appear throughout the series, along with uh, Patrick McGowan and Angelo Muscat as oh, the butler at number six. And, yeah, he's Mr. Orange Alert. Yeah, he's he so well. Orange he does. Alert. He is excellent. The Chimes of Big Ben synopsis is as thus follows. A helicopter brings in a new arrival. This time there is a name, Nadia, and the prisoner finds himself with a new neighbour. They meet and her story is curiously akin to his own. All she has done is resign. Now that the prisoner has an ally, can they effect an escape? Ooh. I just want to point this out that this hit me this morning. It was like a lightning bolt. I can't believe I never thought of this before. What's eight minus six? Two. There you go. Uh, 
I was like, oh, my God. I mean, it might be just a coincidence. I was told there'd be no math. Exactly. Uh, this one, uh, Nadia, is played by Nadia Gray. Who I don't recognize from anything else. Did you know her no. from anything else? I, no, no. No. Normally, you, you're watching this show going, oh, it's that guy. Oh, it's that girl. I did not recognize Nadia from anything else. I did recognize Christopher Benjamin. Did you recognize him, Bill? Uh, is that the colonel? No, I, no. The guy who's helping number two in this episode no, is Christopher Benjamin. No, Talons of Wang Chiang. Really? Yes. The That's guy helped. who runs the um, the the oh god, I've completely lost the train of thought. The guy who runs the stage. Oh wait, wait. Oh oh oh. Mr. Oh. Chiang is performing. Yes, yes. Oh, I I thought you were saying the. Wait now, wait a minute. Did you say the guy that was helping number eight? No, number two. Number two is assistant. Oh yes, him. Yeah, because he was in a pre. He was in like the first episode too. With the yes. Oh yes, yes, I did. I thought you were saying the guy that was helping them on the beach. Never mind. No. Oh yes, yes. I have no idea who that guy is. Yeah, me neither. Uh, uh, This this one's really good. This is one of my favorite episodes generally. I think this is one of the ones I would show to someone who'd never seen the series before if you didn't want to show them Arrival. If you want to show them what the series is, this is the episode to show them. Number six has settled in a bit. He's no longer, I'm getting out of here today. He's kind of accepted that getting out is going to be playing the long game. So instead, he's turned into what he's going to be for the vast majority of the series, just openly defiant of everything that they do. There's also some exposition in here which explains what's going on. I mean, I know they explain it in every episode in the opening credits, but it's if, if you haven't seen it at all... And especially in the current day and age where I think, you know, where we have a, a habit of multitasking as we watch TV. And I think this show kind of requires your attention more so than most uh, of what we get nowadays. Uh, that little exposition, I think, would probably make the show a little bit more friendly to people just starting to view it. So I think that's, you know, that's a plus, too, when you say you would show it to somebody who hasn't seen it. Yeah, the, you, you clearly get what the idea of the, what the show is going to be from this episode. It doesn't hurt that it's got one of the best number twos, Rumpole of the Bailey himself. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, I guess that leads into our other segment, our uh, semi-regular segment, or regular segment. Who is number two? Or who would you pick for number two? You show that turd who's boss. My contemporary pick. Now, I am going to minor, minor, minor spoiler. We will see this number two again, and I have different picks for when he comes back in another episode. Okay, why don't we make that the rule? That when he comes back, we do have to come up with somebody different than we came up for today. Oh, it'll be easy because it's, it's, let's just say his performance is different. Right, Andy? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Even though they were filmed back to back. Mm. Yeah, I'm, mm. I'm not going to give you my number two yet, but I feel like it's a lazy number two. All right. Well, my contemporary number two at the time frame that could have been played would be Robert Morley. Ooh. Everybody. Oh, uh, yeah. That's a good choice. Yeah. I like that. 
Dave, you familiar with Robert Morley? I am not familiar. I'm going to have to look I him know, up. I know you've seen him. I know you've seen him. You, you've had, if you've seen Vincent Price's Theater of Blood, remember that one? Yeah. <laughs> All the movie critics and the food critics. Basically, anybody that criticized them of, of his acting. Diana Rigg oh, in the movie, too. I see his picture. I know. I yeah. know who he is. That's the guy that Vincent Price fed him in. Spoiler for Theater of Blood. Uh, and my my uh, my modern pick would be Toby Jones. Oh, you bastard! Oh, I like that, too. <laughs> that was my modern pick, you son of a bitch. That's okay. <laughs> we can't have the same pick. Oh, I know. Uh, from Doctor Who, yep. when he was when he was the well, we don't really know what the hell he was in that episode. If he was a psychic projection of the Valyard or an evil or version a, of the Doctor, a future version of the Doctor, or yeah. Yeah. So that's that's my two picks. Well, I only have one pick, and I'm going to just throw it out there because, I, like I said, I feel like it's a lazy pick. Uh, He's gonna get mine. I know it. Go ahead. John John Reese Davies. Just just because of the general look. Status is out. Hmm. Say again. John Reese Davies is a very good call. Uh, I just I just feel like he you know he's just to me he felt so obvious that I felt it was lazy to pick him just because like I said the general look uh, I'm picturing you know as Sala. Uh, or or as Gimli for that matter, uh, <laughs> that he just kind of fit the uh, the role. Not as the kingpin though, uh, but he he just kind of fit it. Like That's... I said, and it, it feels lazy to me. Yeah, but there's something right about obvious choices sometimes. Mm-hmm. John Reese Davis is a brilliant choice for number two. Yeah, uh, I'll accept brilliance. <laughs> Fair enough. I I like with... that we learn a lot. Oh, go on. Sorry, Dad. Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry. I, I went with if he played it straight, Rip Torn. Ooh, that's interesting. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Mm. That's another good choice, yeah. Oh, wait, I was thinking Rip Taylor. <laughs> Even more interesting. <laughs> I did think Rip Taylor first. And I'm like, no, wait, that's not, no. That would oh. add a whole new dimension to the character. <laughs> wait, that was Paul Lynn. Or, or uh, Charles Nelson. He, he come over to number two and he's throwing confetti at him. <laughs> I mean number six rather. Uh. All right, keep going. Andy, you were saying you find that it's a, uh, uh, and then you and then you stop. Uh, I, I, I liked know. that we learned a lot more about the village in this one. Mm. We learned that they don't get a lie in if the village doesn't want you to have a lie in. But I love his defiant way of getting around that. He just sticks the speaker in the fridge. <laughs> oh, my God, I love McGowan in this. Oh, this is where the line came, came from, that even the, the act of putting on a... Uh, his dressing gown, yeah. His act of defiance. Yeah, act of defiance. Yeah, I think, oh, that's brilliant. We can break him piece by piece. I don't want a man of pieces. Now, there's I so many good could, lines well, in here, too. Yeah, this this is an eminently quote, but it's all. Do you not also think this one was very very funny? I found a number of sexy lines in this to to crack me up, just yeah. like his little asides to people when he's walking around. Like he's just he's he's kind of been just a bit more defiant and sarcastic. 
mm-hmm. than he has in previous episodes. He's not as angry about everything, even though he's not accepted. He's accepted that he's here and getting away is not going to be easy. But he's not accepted that he's number six and he's not accepted their authority over him. And even when he's playing chess with the old guy at the uh, at the cafe at the beginning, the old yeah. guy's trying to needle him and six just isn't having any of it. Which regiment? Which army? Uh, I love. I, I generally think this one was really well constructed script as well, which is why it's surprising when you look in in Andrew Pixley's book how much this was tinkered with in post production, and how much it needed rewriting because it was written when they only had Arrival as a script. It wasn't even filmed. They only had the script for Arrival. There was no Bible for this. They gave the guy the script for Arrival and George Mark Steen, who was the story executive story editor, told him what the show was going to be about. And from that, he went away and wrote this script. But he wrote it based on the original Rover that didn't work. Mm. So an awful lot of it had to be rewritten to accommodate that Rover didn't work. There was Surprisingly, a Rover that was not sexually uh, accurate? <laughs> yes, or active, <laughs> given that we see two baby Rovers. In this episode, are they uh, baby they're, they're rovers babies. or are they something they're, they're else? They're babies. I think I, I like to think of them as baby rovers. Yeah, okay. I like to think there's mummy and daddy rover and there's baby rover, <laughs> and they've got little baby rovers and little baby rovers just pootle around doing their own thing most of the time. Oh, that was quite cute. We're gonna pull it behind you, mummy. Yeah. I mean, and this only ends up with location. For what's interesting about this one, one of the fun things in the early ones, not so much as you go along where a lot of the Port Merion stuff is just stock footage, and it's all just filmed at Boreham Wood. These these early episodes were filmed on location, and this script was filmed finished just early enough for them to do some location filming. But if you'll notice, Leo McKern and Nadia Gray mustn't have gone to Port Merion. So all of the location footage is just stuff with McGowan. Mm-hmm. It's particularly noticeable on the beach when Nadia tries to swim to get away. Yeah, it looks like she's in a tank. Yeah. Well, not just that. It's when they drag her back on the beach. It goes from being the lovely, long Port Merion beach with the sea disappearing over the horizon to this, this little little bunch of water lapping right against the edge. <laughs> where there's, there's clearly this isn't a beach disappearing into a pool. So some of, the, some of the doubling is wrong. But there's also an awful lot of this needed to be reshot. Did you notice there's a lot of places where you can't see people's faces, particularly Nadia? There's a scene in the middle of the episode where her and Magoon are talking, the supposedly seduction scene where he keeps covering his mouth mm-hmm. so the surveillance can't see what they're saying. The middle of that shot had to be refilmed, which is why in the middle of it you just don't see Nadia's face at all. Hmm. It had to be reshot because of lighting problems, and obviously they only had Magoon. Gotcha. I love... You can tell he loves working with, McCoo, with Leo McKern, and there's a reason that McKern gets to come back the the first meeting between two and six where six is just, yes, I'm going to leave. I'm going to come back and I'm going to bomb this place off the face of the earth. <laughs> I love that scene. I think that scene's absolutely brilliant. Does not take sugar. Frightened of putting on weight? No, nor of being reduced. Oh, I am so glad you are here. <laughs> it's the little the little pitter-patter, the back and forth. Yeah, and then, and then, and then, and then he putting three lumps of sugar into yeah, his coffee. Bloop, bloop. <laughs> and then Leo McCurran, then no, no, number two just starts to lose his shit briefly. He's yeah. like, you'll come back to me, whimpering. 
<laughs> I love I love that bit. I love it when the mask slips. Uh-huh. When most of the time he's quite affable and amiable and he's number six's friend and he lets him break the rules a little bit with the making of the tools, the stone knives and burskins. Uh but every now and again he gets under his skin. Mm-hmm. And I love I love that. And McKern, I think McKern does that really well. Just the little moments where the face slips. And it's really cool. Well, then, then there are a whole exchange, you know, where he says, uh, number six says, has it ever occurred to you that you were just as much a prisoner as I? And he's like, oh, yeah, I know. I know too yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> so he's kind of like, oh, crap. And he's like, oh, yeah, both sides are become, you know, it's, it's like both sides will eventually realize that they're looking in a mirror and we'll all be one big happy family and you know the whole earth as a village he's like that's my hope what's yours and six says i'd like to be the first man on the moon <laughs> but i like i like that idea as well that they're already telling him it doesn't matter which sides run in the village they're both as bad as each other it doesn't matter and, and what's McCur- interesting is that this was done in 1967-68. Gee, yeah. it almost could be a metaphor for today. Well, I th- of all the episodes we've watched, I thought this one so far has held up the best and is still the most relevant. And like, just the idea that 40 years ago, they were pretty 50, 60 years ago nearly, they were predicting terminal CCT surveillance, which we now have. And the little things like the wireless phones, so you can't get away anywhere and you can't really turn anything off. You're being monitored all the time on your phone, where you go, what you do, how long you were there. All of that stuff is in this episode. I'd love to know what technology the village has now. If they were 40 years ahead. And now, then, I'm, I'm going to ask a silly question, bit. but when they did do the remake that you don't like to acknowledge... Did they have more extensive uh, surveillance equipment and, and technology? <sighs> I didn't get more than 15 minutes in. I think I watched the whole thing, but it was very more artsy. It was it took place in a desert mostly, right, Andy? From what I remember, I it was very strange. So. It was more artsy fartsy. It was more head. influenced by Twin Peaks than it was by The Prisoner. I mean, it Which, had an interesting cast. It had uh, Ian yeah, McKellen. Cast- Ian McKellen was number two. Jim Caviezel was number six. Uh, I don't really remember anybody else outside of them. It was only like an AMC, like a miniseries. Only a few, like maybe uh, I don't. I I want to say six episodes, but <laughs> but I don't know if that was the case. I don't remember. See, I, I only remember it being like two ninety-minute episodes, but uh, could be. I, I I honestly don't know. I didn't stick with them. Um, there's a wonderful bit. In the, the bit where he's arguing with number two at the beginning, where he's trying to get him to take, place, take part in the arts and crafts for, and he's had enough of his shit and he just wants to leave, and he's just stood in front of the door. <laughs> he's ten num- yeah. number two's like, what what can I get you to do to take part? So, well, I can make a handle for this door. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, all the way through this one, he's got those little snappy comebacks that are funny. He's very charming in this one, even though he never loses any of his edge. Now, oddly enough, this was in broadcast. It was broadcast as the second episode. And yes, and episode see how two, that yeah. doesn't really work. No, no. I this think with the way they second. changed the order that the one guy did it with KTEH, I like the re-juggling of the episodes because this one is just... it. 
Yeah. It's just he he's not new in this one. He's no. been around the block a bit now. No. And you can see that in his interplay with this number two. Mm-hmm. And like we've pointed out, his general attitude to the village as a whole. You can see that he's he's accepted that he's here, but he's not accepting their authority over him. And that's a subtle change from how he was in like the first four episodes. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, and here at the beginning, he doesn't really buy or he's testing Nadia, but it's like he's learned watching from our previous episodes. He's not going too far. He's not being dominant, which is what burned him last time because Mm. they thought he was with the village. And then this so this time he's like, he's just being helpful. He's just a nice little village plebe saying, yep, yep, there's the Green Dome across the square up the stairs. Green Dome can't miss it. And, you know, it's not not until she tries to or he sees that she's trying to escape and then almost commits suicide in the hospital with uh, that. He thinks, OK, maybe I do have someone here that I can confide in. Because she seems to know where the village is, which would tie into the other episode because she says that they're what off the coast of Poland. Or, yes. Or Lithuania. Lithuania. Yeah, and and so, which ties into the name of the the freighter we had last time? What the yes. Velasca? You know, yeah, so it's well, like, yeah. I mean, maybe that was just a coincidence, but uh, which, but but that it makes sense now, but that's with a different viewing order from the original, which is it's just very odd, very very odd. I, mean, it, I suppose it depends what order they were filmed in. If mm. we have, if I have a look at mine, well, this one was this... filmed later, but was broadcast. No, this was fifth. This was the fifth script that they had. Dance oh. of the Dead was filmed just before this one. Why didn't they put them out the way that they filmed them? Some weren't ready. Remember, some uh, oh, like this okay. one. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. one, like we've mentioned, they did a lot of post-production the... editing and refilming for this one. Reshoots. So. I know Andy and I have been uh, babbling on, so, but we've seen this before, so we knew what the the twist was going to be. Did you guys see any of this coming, Paul and Dave? It didn't feel I. I'm, I'm going to give you kind of a, a contradictory thought here. I really enjoyed watching the episode, but it didn't feel like it was surprising. You know, when things went on, it it you know. When when he was, uh, you know, back when he was back in the village and and they were trying to pretend he wasn't and that kind of thing. I mean, it it, it seemed. I I think what what's gone on is I think that method of storytelling over the years has become more standard or that twist kind of twist thing. So it didn't seem mm-hmm. so shocking to me. Um, you know, I don't know. It 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 just kind of felt like it flowed along. But I enjoyed. Like you say, you know, like Andy was saying, you know, kind of the banter and the wise assness, and 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 I, it almost don't. The one thing about it that didn't totally feel true to me is that uh, when he was like kind of pretending to go along with everything, it seemed like they can't believe this, which they didn't. But you know, they were they were pretending to, and I'm surprised he would believe that that would fool them. So you know. I just, you know, in general, just kind of sat back and enjoyed this one. I, I felt like this was a kind of go-along-for-the-ride episode. Uh, I was able to just kind of sit back and, and 
you know, just watching it, it didn't feel like it was that heavy to me. Uh, it almost felt like, like I thought they, they might've made a better choice in having it as the first one after arrival, except for the fact that he just seems too established already. But other than that, I thought, like I said, I thought there was exposition in there. I thought it gave you kind of a, a feel for what was going on. I thought if if somebody watched this as their very first episode, then I don't think they would be turned off by it at all. I, uh, I'll be honest, I got a very Gilligan's Island vibe and I don't mean that to be disrespectful. He made a boat out of a coconut. <laughs> that, too, but... I completely expected, after the traveling scene, when they cracked open the crates that they were in, that they were going to be back on the island. And they kind of did misdirect me when they were in... Uh, what was the guy? Fox's office? or something? The colonel. The colonel's office. That kind of did throw me for a loop, but I kept saying to him, ah, this is like Gilligan's Island. He's, he's not getting off the island, but I thought that was that was very well done the way they did it. Um, I found it interesting how they were able to time everything to mislead him in such a way to believe that he had made it. And then to screw up with such a minor detail as the change in time. And uh, the final thing it leaves you with is, I get he's trying to escape, but where do you go now? Yeah, now the people he he knows are actually in with the village. Right, I mean, I, I, I was assuming up to some point that the colonel was not, you know, the guy who sent him down here. You know, he reached out to someone he knew through something else. But now it seems like the whole government is involved. So where do you escape to? You can't go to the east. You can't go home. You can't come to the United States. Even if you get out of here, where are you going to go that you'll be somewhat safe? It's a it's a frightening premise. So so yeah, the choice that he's left with is to escape and go totally underground, where you know, just to escape uh, being seen, or to stay there and just kind of acclimate himself to things, which might actually be the easier, more comfortable way to live your life. Except for uh, the fact that, that his that, his personality yeah his personality wouldn't stand for it. But other than that. You know, if you if you were a uh, submissive, docile person like I am, I'm I'm in the village. I'm running a little shop by now. <laughs> Count yeah, have I, the days to retire. Yeah, I like that. That's that's ultimately what this one's about. On the face of it, it's very much a Mission Impossible episode, and it works like that. But it's also doing that old prisoner question of asking you what is better: the freedom of the individual or the power of the collective. Which is the easier option? Like you said, if six cooperates, he's going to be a number two. That's his path mm. if he accepts what's going on. But that's not who he is. And arguably the things that made him a good agent, if you watch Danger Man, 
the things that made him a good agent was that he wasn't someone who just stepped in line with everyone else. He wasn't following the herd. He did his own things. He followed his own code. And sometimes he didn't like the things his government were asking him to do, even though they were ultimately may have been the right thing or for the right reasons. You could say he worked outside the box. Uh 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 And I still like I still like that there's elements of prisoner surrealism in it, like all those people just sign the corridor with with the purple lights on. And it never overdoes the surrealism. Well, not at this point in the series, anyway. It doesn't (laughs) overdo the surrealism. It's just kind of there to make you go, what the hell is this? Hmm. More than anything, the only thing that holds this one down for me is, A, the production. It's very obvious when they move from location to stage. And the lighting seems off somehow. And the idea that they didn't look at his sculpture and go, it's a boat, isn't it? (laughs) And now you're buying a tapestry? Uh... Yes. Now, what would he have done there if that hadn't been there? Or did he know she was painting that? Well, I, hmm, I don't. I don't remember if uh, what that was number thirty-eight, right? Yeah. Yeah. If uh, she was so. So really, she's the only one that made out in this whole thing because she got two two thousand work units and she's buying liquor. Yeah, she's she. Yeah, but it's all non-alcoholic. So. <laughs> it's more as well. I, you get more of a vibe from this one of just how insidious the place is. Oh 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 oh! Sorry. <laughs> yes, Mister Horshack. Before I forget, while I was rewatching this, like on the second time, at one point through his, you know, when the three judges are asking him about his sculpture, this and that, I don't know if it was by chance or if it was on purpose. But when you look where where, where he's standing and through, because it's his sculpture has a hole in it, yeah, through the back of it, it's, it's centered right in in the center of the opening of his sculpture is like a bust or a picture of number two. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I kind of see that like, they know, dude, he knows what you're going to do. He's watching you. It's like, you're not going to... I mean, it may have been a coincidence, but I was just like... I, I think that has to be intentional because the camera would have to be positioned very specifically to get that where it was shot. So mm-hmm. I can't think it's not unintentional. Yeah, there's just like so many things that you pick up. I mean, e- even now, you know, re-watching... Like when I opened the show and said eight minus six equals two, I, on purpose or was that just a happenstance? Yeah. You know when he was in the colonel's office for a second, for a second, where I thought it was going was when he's questioning him about Nadia and being from the Eastern Bloc and maybe you've gone over, you know, to oh, the yeah. communists. I thought for a moment it's going to be. Yeah, you deserve to be locked up because we can't trust you. You went over to the, you know, the other side, and he was going to wind up back on the island. He would be in the Russian village. If, if Russia have one, maybe Russia just kills you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe yeah. that's a clue as to which side owns the village. Yeah, I love the I love the art show bit. I love the critique of modern art, which is still just as as biting in its satire as is today. He's not answering any of the questions. He's giving them exactly what they want to hear, and they're, they're falling in love with it. It is what it is. Oh, brilliant. 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 Yes. Brilliant. yes. Oh. 
Oh, that was genius. I love this middle section. <laughs> There's nothing in this one I don't like about it. Even the production shortcomings are papered over by the fact that it's a really witty script. And you know he's not getting away. It's only episode four or five or whatever it is. So he's not getting away. But it's a really witty script. It's exceptionally well played by everybody, particularly Leo McKern, I think, who not only pitches his performance perfectly, but just bounces off Magoon much better than any of the previous number twos I've so far. Agreed. So do do you think the village really is in that area, or that was all just well, the Well, we don't want to say anything, because that would be a spoiler. You do eventually find out exactly where the village is. I can say no more. It's in the Queen's backyard. It is. It's underneath Buckingham Palace. <laughs> the corgis uh, come in. Yeah, there's a longer version of this as well. There's an extended version of this, just like there is of Arrival. And that is also on the DVD. It's in a rough cut format, but it's interesting to watch. It's basically just some of the scenes are longer. Some of the places in this where I've said you notice that you can't see the faces when the dialogue is occurring. Those scenes were a bit longer, have been cut down. There's a bit in the middle that is interesting, where Six goes to like an observatory-type place, and he tries to get a fix on where he is by looking at the stars. And that scene was cut from the episode for transmission. That's an interesting scene. Hmm. Because it's just another example of just how smart and resourceful he is. But I think you get that from the rest of the episode, that he's fashioned his own tools, that he's built something that's Lego, that when you put it all together, it makes something else. And there are other episodes in the run where his ingenuity... And his intelligence play a part in his, his scheming. So you didn't really need it, but it was interesting. It was also interesting to know that the footage of the stars came from 2001, which hadn't come out yet. <laughs> Literally 2001 was filming next door in MGM Borrowwood, and they popped next door and said to Kubrick, we need a starscape. Have you got one we can borrow? And he literally gave them a shot of the stars that he'd made for 2001. Nice. Oh, what did you think of the uh, the travel sequence in the box? Yeah, it's a bit cheesy, isn't it? <laughs> well, it was. I mean, you got to suspend your disbelief. With, yeah, you know that 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 you know the side of the box is open. We can see through, yeah. and and and. Uh, but it's more like he's like, you know, I really, I just, I would be like six and just, you know, I really wish you'd shut up so I could just I, I, sleep I through this. It was her it was her performance that salvaged it really when she have you got a have you got a wife at home no nope. <laughs> oh, i'm feeling better already and he's like oh, yeah for God's sake <laughs> he's like god I, thought, I mean i don't know what they did if they wanted to piss i you know i thought that to him like how do they go to this like 13 hours i you couldn't put me in a box for 13 minutes without me having to go to the bathroom yeah it's like you know <laughs> i thought about that too it must be our ages. That's that's how yeah. they think. Oh my God! I'm going to be in a box for 13 hours. If, Where am I going to go to the bathroom? If I thought about it, I'd have to go to the bathroom. So I try not to. <laughs> I don't even want to sit through a movie that's too long in the movies. <laughs> okay, at what point in this movie that I've never seen can I run out and go to the yeah. bathroom and run back? There's here? actually a website 
where you can, you can look up movies and it tells you like what the slowest part of the movie is to try and time your bathroom visit that you won't miss anything you know important. I forget what it's called. I did that in Jurassic World Dominion. When the have you seen Jurassic? Not World Not yet. Dominion? I haven't watched it. All right. There's a bit where they're crashing an airplane. It's not spoiling anything for you. And I thought, right, if I go for a pee now. I know exactly what the next five minutes of this film's going to be. This is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. And when I get back, they'll be there. And I was exactly right. <laughs> so if you need a pee, go at that bit. Go when the plane starts crashing. Well, I'm gonna, when I watch it, I'm going to watch it at home at this point. So I'll just pause it. <laughs> oh, yeah, technology's great, isn't it? Pee at your leisure. Yeah. I could pick at the most exciting scene. Grand. I'm just glad Andy didn't say something like, you know, oh, there's big fights with dinosaurs. Because that would be a spoiler. I would have ruined it for you. Or, or, you know, they have some of the original cast in there. <laughs> yeah. The only other thing as well, worth pointing out, just from a production standpoint, there is literally no war, even in the fictional layout of the village, forget going to the real Port Marion, there is no war that six and two could have been sat having comfortable tea, afternoon tea, whilst watching the beach. Based on the geography of what we've seen of that place so far, there's nowhere that could happen. In real life, there's literally nowhere it can happen. There is nowhere down on that beach that has a cliff that you could do that on. But even but in it, the fiction, you couldn't. Isn't the beach by the boat? Yes, but they're further down by where the sea is. Even oh. in the fictional village, we've seen that the sea is quite far down that beach. Mm. And again, production standpoint, the caves were built for another episode, but recycled for this one. It's the one where he has the meeting with the guy in the earlier episode that we've watched. Mm-hmm. Very I convincing we, rocks. I think we see that cave again. Yeah, it'll be a standing set. Yeah. Like they'll use it a couple yeah. of times. I think we might see it next episode, in fact. Next episode. But well, we're, well, we're not up to that yet. We're not up to that yet. No. Well, now so, that you've ruined the most what, important what, part. What, Thank what? you, Bill. <laughs> I had another note, that, as, uh, and it'll be my last note, that as... When we were looking at the colonel, and no, I'm not just doing this because of our love for Terry Thomas. I thought Terry Thomas could pull that roll off, roll off, because he can be ominous. Yeah, Terry Thomas can be quite scary. Yes, yes, and I thought he would have been good as as a. I say, old boy, why did you resign? <laughs> he, he may be a to choice for a number two. I, you bastard, because I have a. Yeah, I but have, we may have different episodes. Maybe you shouldn't that. have brought him up if you didn't want to give anybody the idea. Now well, I'm going to pick him for every episode. There is... <laughs> Terry Thomas as number two. By hook or by crook, and, my and boy. Each, each one, he wears a slightly different outfit with slightly different facial hair. And and, yeah, and, he, and he claims to be a new number two. And then one, he wears a monocle. Yeah. Yeah. So the ending to this one, where he's in the office in London, ostensibly. Oh. So Fotheringay is a real agent then, isn't he? So what? What? Fotheringay is a real agent that Six knows. Oh, yes. So that kind of implies that our government, his own government, essentially, have put him in there. Well, number two does say you need to get back to London before questions are asked. So he could be a double agent inside the government. It could be, because they go out of the way to establish that it isn't the British government that are running the village. Mm-hmm. 
So they do they do say that it isn't us that's running it. It could be like which a doesn't UN preclude thing. that it could be you know. Yeah, it could be a UN thing. It, I think the implications are having a Russian agent there is a new thing. Mm. But it was interesting why she was in the reason they gave her for being in there. She'd seen secret documents about the village, but she was a nobody. I don't know how much sense it makes putting her in the village then. Because that kind of confirmed... Because you're not have told her... Nah, they're just plans. Don't worry about it. They're not real. We're building a resort. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that's for my uh, retirement. But you also we're figure... We're building a spy world. you got to think that people who are in the village should be particularly significant. Because otherwise it's just going to get overrun. Yeah. You, you would think there were people uh, who literally have top secret life or death information that the other side would kill to get a hold of. And hell, your allies would probably kill to get hold of. Mm-hmm. Not just your enemies, your political enemies. Yeah. I... But then that begs the question of how many people know of the village's existence. Because by this point in the series, we've seen two British agents that Six knew and worked with that know of this place's location. Yep. So I've got to kill that. And the only other thing, the episode <laughs> the episode should have ended with him walking away. We didn't need that final scene. Because it's very similar to the scene at the end of Arrival anyway, with Paul Eddington. It should have ended after he gives the sixth salute to Nadia and he walks off, his face should have come and then the bars should have slammed over it and that should have been the end of the episode. That would have been, yeah. I don't think it needed that final minute-long scene. There's an aerial shot of the village and that's where the episode should have ended. Mm-hmm. With him snapping his fingers to go into his apartment. Yeah. Oh, there's uh, there's screen wipes in this episode. There too. is, yeah. yeah. Well, did you not think this one was really well edited? For a 1960s television show, particularly the opening bits, there's a lot of fast cutting and glances and stuff. It's really well cut together, especially mm-hmm. given that there's a, there was an awful lot of post-production trickery that went on with it, that they had to refilm some scenes and re-edit and rewrite and all that stuff. I thought this one was really well well put together. There's been a couple of the early ones where you've looked at the editing nowadays and gone, oh, that's a bit ropey. But I thought this one was really well put together. It's a really good show. Mm-hmm. I think well, this, this was one of the best ones so far. So I think we've hit the point where we say what we rank it. I, I'm giving it five. We're going off sixes in this, aren't we? I'm giving it six. I genuinely think it's a really solid, entertaining, well-written, well-acted, well-put-together show. If you've never seen it before, it tells you everything you need to know about it. If you have seen it before, it reinforces all the things that you know about it. Six has settled in to his position. It's got one of the best number twos of the entire run. There's a reason Leo McKern gets invited back. I, I think it's a great episode. It's not got the slightly surrealistic moments, the slightly wackier moments that you'll get as the series goes on. But that's a good thing at this point. I think it's great. Six penny farthings. I'm still, like, hesitant to just give sixes. I don't know why, but I'm just, like, I, I keep holding back from it. So I, I gave it a five and a half. 
I think the thing with this is I don't I think I don't think Bill or I can really hide the fact that we genuinely love the show. And does I, we can't disassociate ourselves from it, or I can't. I don't really want to speak for Bill. I can't well, speak for Bill. From the please. Fact. All right, I'm going to speak for <laughs> Bill as well. We can't disassociate ourselves from how much we love it. And I genuinely think every single episode is brilliant. <laughs> there are some that are less good than others, but I don't think I'm ever going to give this show less than a four. It's I'll like trying right to, now. It's like trying to pick between your children. Well, you know. Yeah. I uh, I give it six castaways because even though the uh, uh, allusions to Gilligan's Island and I kind of knew where it was going, the ride getting me there was fantastic. This episode flew by for me. Number two so far is my favorite of the number twos we've had. And uh, hence my rating of six. I'm going to give this zero. Wait, hold on. My watch is six hours off. Oh, uh, six. I'm going to give this six. Uh, six broken watches. So, so right six now. Six hour off watch. As of right now, this is the highest ranked episode we've done so far, and that's what we. Yeah, I go with that. That's what we thought of it. But what did Blaine say? Hi guys, this may be my favorite episode so far. I understand the BBC probably bumped it to episode 2 because it would grab an audience effectively, but it's definitely a different relationship with number 2 than in the previous episodes, so it is out of narrative order. I doubt number 6 actually trusted number 8 so much as he knew he could use her. His conversation with number 2 as number 8 woke up is exceptional. It's hard to do more than gush though. I have a lot of questions about both the village and number 6, plus the outside governments and their involvement but there isn't much to do but watch for clues to answers which may or may not come. I did wonder about the time zone being the solution to the case. Accurate, sure, but I thought it was Big Ben chiming twice that would have clued him in. Perhaps Andy can tell us if that part is accurate or not. And finally, for those of us watching on iTunes, the next episode, Free For All, is listed as episode 4. So thank you for your comments, Blaine. As always, we always appreciate your insight into the episode and you know what you thought. Uh, obviously you thought just as highly of it as we did. So once again, thank you. So I guess that's it for this episode. But what are we doing next time? Next time on an all-new The Village Idiots. Uh, yeah, I lost my outro. Hold on, let me try that again, Paul. Next time... <laughs> I've got it, but I don't have it because I have to paraphrase them. I got it. I, got time, it. I ain't got it. <laughs> I got it. I ain't got it. Next time on an all new The Village Idiots, the village is having an election. And it could be a rock and roll band or a free for all. Election time in the village. The time when every man and woman is able to vote for a leader. A vote that is free for all. It looks like a unanimous majority. Exactly, that's what's worrying me. Very bad for morale. Some of these good people don't seem to appreciate the value of free elections. Everyone votes for a dictator. Not at all. Thank you, my dear fellow. You are just the sort of candidate we need. How are you going to handle your campaign? No comment. Intends to fight for freedom at all Smiles. costs. Who elected you? 
Whose side are you on? Mustn't get too personal, my dear fellow. Look then. Brainwash imbeciles. The rules demand that you should undergo the test. What is the price of his freedom and his chance to control the village? It's free for all to see in the next exciting episode of The Prisoner on this channel. All right, we'll Come see on, you then. Come on, Nugent, free for all. The aim of the episode's free for all. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Miss seeing you. Miss seeing you. Who are you? The village people. Who are the supervisor, Paul Spataro. The chess master, Dave Pascarella. Rover, Dr. Bill Robinson. And Andrew Leyland as the butler. The village people investigating the prisoner.